Hello, welcome to Hedge Clippings, a podcast about... I am your host, Travis Hedges-Williams, and on this episode, Miss Americana, and my complicated relationship with Taylor Swift. Time to set the record straight, people. If you have been living under a rock, Taylor Swift signed her first record deal at 15. She has topped the country and pop charts, sold more than 50 million albums in 2019. She was named Billboard's Artist of the Decade and is one of the best-selling artists of all time. Her personal life, a favorite subject of trashy tabloid magazines and her own songwriting, has included highlights such as very public feuds with Kanye West and Katy Perry, as well as her relationships with the likes of Joe Jonas, Taylor Lautner, John Mayer, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Tom Hiddleston. Those of you who know my film work likely know that I made two movies about a character, played by me, who is a hardcore Swifty. Many people assume, therefore, that I, Travis, am a diehard fan of Taylor Swift. That is not true. Oh, so you don't like her then? Well, that's not entirely true either. First, let me address why I made two movies about her. In the film, The Taylor Swift Stalker, available on the short films page of HedgesPictures.com, we meet a pair of brothers. One is absolutely devoted to his dreams and following them despite all the odds. The other is more cynical and realistic. In the film, and its sequel, we see this battle of ideals play out. It just so happens the dream in question is meeting Taylor Swift and the links one would go to in order to achieve such a goal. Now, Taylor Swift being the MacGuffin of the film came about fairly late in the development process. I'd had an idea for a film like this long before Taylor Swift ever came on my radar. In my mind, it was imagined around the crush I had when I was about 10, which was Anna Klumsky from My Girl, or my teenage crush, which was figure skater Tara Lipinski, I thought a lot about making Tara the focal point of the movie because that resonated with me personally. Then I considered Avril Lavigne, but Tara was too obscure. At that point, it might as well have been about a fictional celebrity, which, frankly, was also considered sort of the Julia Roberts character in Notting Hill approach. That would make the movie's themes rise more easily to the surface, and the films would, frankly, age better but there was something about making it a real person that gave the film energy. Avril Lavigne was too hard to do because her popularity was kind of waning, and let's be fair, she's only so popular. My point being, there was much debate and discussion about who the dream girl being chased in the movie should be. Taylor Swift was not a foregone conclusion by any means. However, she crossed into my pop cultural awareness around this time. This was 2011, so her star was only rising, and it seemed to fit. She had a die-hard fan base, but she also had die-hard haters. She lived in Tennessee at the time, which was a realistic place to go and shoot when I was living in Louisiana. The banter between the brothers in regards to the T-Swift pop culture references seemed to write itself, and it felt believable somehow, it just clicked. But the movie isn't about Taylor Swift. It's about those ideals. It's about being devoted to your dreams and the length you go to follow them. That's why the first line of the first movie is, this is not about Taylor Swift. The assumption, again, was that because I had all this T-Swift knowledge, 
in order to write the movie that I was a fan. Well, no, that's just not true. I, I just know how to research. I'm a librarian. If anything, I am T-Swift neutral. Some of her music I like, some of it I hate. There are aspects about her general approach to the art and of being an artist that I like and some that I hate. I think she's had an unfairly rough time because of the media, and I also think some of it is par for the course. When I think of Taylor Swift, I am caught in this tug of war. The rope never gets fully pulled all the way to one side or the other in my mind, and that's rare for someone as opinionated as myself. The truth is, I find her enigmatic. Not in a cool, aloof, mysterious way. It's more a case that she's full of contradictions, and because of the business she is in and the world we are in, it is nigh impossible to determine what is fact and what is fabricated. Case in point, the documentary Miss Americana, which promises unfiltered, behind-the-scenes looks at the real and raw T-Swizzle. This is a central tenet of the T-Swift brand, this idea that she is authentic and real and relatable. However, it never feels 100% genuine. To her credit, or her team's credit, she's built a brand around this, and she knows how to make money. So good for her. Well done. She deserves her success. She found a product and sold it. On the other hand, if it's not genuine, this isn't a perfume you're selling, it's yourself as a human, and saying you are real and relatable when you aren't putting forward your true self is, well, a lie and morally wrong, right? Let's go back to 2011. We do the first movie. Taylor's career is booming. 2013, we do the sequel. She's still insanely active, and after a few years, poof, she drops off the radar. Miss Americana looks at what she did when she vanished for a year, among other things. The documentary is a bit of a mess, in my opinion. It lacks a solid through line of what its subject is, other than here's some video of Taylor Swift behind the scenes. It still feels very carefully curated. If it had been shot by a neutral filmmaker, it might have been more interesting, but it very much feels like this is yet another piece of Taylor Swift propaganda. Is it cool to see Taylor Swift saying fuck a lot? Like she's a normal adult human? Well, sure, I guess. But that doesn't make this an edgy film. Frankly, it runs over an hour, but much of this is vanity footage, and you could cut this thing down by half and still have room to trim. There's a lot of time spent watching Taylor eat burritos. My god, how real and relatable she is. She has burritos. The film is at its best when it gets political. Taylor has always been silent on politics for her whole career, which is really a wise move considering her fairly conservative fan base. But in this movie, we see her struggle with wanting to voice her opinions and make a difference and use her fame to do some good. This is where the film is most interesting and most powerful. There are moments of connection where you really feel the conflict that she has. On the other hand, you can't help but wonder if this is real in the same way reality shows are real. Thus, the enigma of Taylor Swift continues. She's much the same if you see her interviewed on the late night shows. It feels very controlled, very calculated, very programmed. Anytime the host goes off script or surprises her, she becomes clearly uncomfortable. You can see it on her face. Is this because she's actually just a very anxious human? That, of course, would be fine. 
Or is it because her persona is a facade? She doesn't want to actually be seen for who she is, so the moment you go off script, she gets uncomfortable. Ellen DeGeneres has recently come under fire as former employees share horror stories of working with her. Are these true? Are they blown up? Well, that's not the topic for today, but I see this, and I wonder if we will ever see people from the T-Swift camp mutiny against her, reveal evil Taylor, you know, get an opinion that's not prepackaged by Taylor herself. Interestingly, Ellen portrays herself to have a very close relationship with Taylor, a subject that we mined in the return of the Taylor Swift stalker film, available now on the short films page of HedgesPictures.com. Now, I'm not a music critic, nor can I even attempt or pretend to be one. I will leave that to others. However, I do want to briefly talk about her music. Part of the big selling point of her music and her brand is that she writes her own songs and that they are profoundly personal to her, which, yes, that is very cool. That should be the norm, not the exception in the industry, in my opinion. That being said, there is a gotcha aspect to her writing that is petty and childish and calls out her ex-boyfriends and the people who have wronged her. Part of the game of being a T-Swift fan is figuring out who the songs are about. The media explodes with this when a new album is released, and I'm really conflicted about this, to be honest. On the one hand, yeah, go for it. Every artist should use their work to go through their emotional baggage. Lord knows I have. On the other hand, there is this playground snottiness to the way she does it. As a counterpoint, consider Adele. Adele is less than one year older than Taylor Swift. Let that sink in for a minute. Adele is less than one year older than T-Swizzle. They are essentially the same age. Adele's songs have incredible emotion in them. They are profound, universal, and moving. You know it's about someone. You know it's deeply personal, but you don't know who because it doesn't matter, and I think that's what makes them stronger. I don't have a proposition about what should be fair game and what shouldn't. I'd be wary of any rules like that. I, these are just the things that I wrestle with. I suggest it as food for thought, and part of that continuing yin and yang in my mind when a Taylor Swift song hits my ears. I'll confess, I want to like Taylor Swift. I really do. I'd like to meet her, maybe get to know her. I'm curious about the real Taylor. Part of what I connected with in the character, Marty, that I play in the T-Swift Stalker films is that what-if quality. Okay, we meet. Well, then it's a blank slate, an undetermined future, an unknown. It's impossible to know how that would go. But it's a chance to see what happens. I would like to know her, see a spark of something, but maybe, maybe it's all marketing. To me, this is a fascinating example of American pop culture, the way we build people up and tear people down. This idea that we empower people to be fiercely themselves, but only within the boundaries of what we personally find acceptable. Taylor Swift is the perfect embodiment of this to me. I'd even be fine with the illusion of Taylor Swift, the stage persona that is T-Swizzle, if I knew it was a costume and she was stepping in and out of it. I feel like I keep waiting for the magician to show me the prestige, show me that yes, this was all a trick, but we can laugh about it and enjoy the illusion. 
At the end of the day, my opinion on Taylor Swift will not impact her record sales, her way of living, nor does the riddle of Taylor Swift pester me on a daily basis. It's simply a matter that when she crosses my newsfeed in some way, that rope gets tugged one way or another, just a little. And I find it fascinating, this question of whether or not we will ever know the real Taylor Swift. I hope so. Not even for my sake, but for hers. I hope that she can one day have the confidence to be 100% authentically herself. And I hope the world is kind when that happens. Or maybe she's already doing that, and the world is the world. What a fascinating question. Taylor, if you're listening, you want to grab a cup of coffee? My treat. Do you want to help out this show? Then please subscribe and leave us a review. That helps us beat the weird algorithms these sites use and keeps us on the top of the pile. And of course, share this podcast with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. If you haven't signed up for the monthly e-newsletter from Hedges Pictures, go to Hedges Pictures right now to do so. And every month, your inbox will be filled with the latest news on my many creative projects, including previews of upcoming episodes of this podcast. With that, I'm going to bring this episode to a close. I'm breaking up with this episode, and we are never, ever getting back together. Like ever. Hedge Clippings is brought to you by Hedges Pictures, the makers of movies, books, and more. Check them out at hedgespictures.com, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.